You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. Hi, I'm John Teeter, Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully, everybody's doing well. It's been raining like cats and dogs today. I'm home, thank goodness. I was working yesterday, consulting, had a great client, uh, really appreciated his time, and I think he got a lot out of this, and I, I know he's a listener on this podcast, so I wanted to thank him. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is people have been inquiring about my Habitat Day next July. I will get it up on my website. I am a one-man show, and I've I've mentioned this recently to folks. Uh, I do pretty much everything. My marketing, advertising, uh, all the business work that I do, it's, it's just me. Doing that as I continue to grow, you know, things will change. I would like to... Uh, Grow in a few areas, YouTube, I'd like to provide some opportunities for people to learn more what we're doing, get the word out. I think there's just a lot of chance to advance things. Uh, my tactics and philosophies are a lot different from most consultants. And, you know, any the big names that maybe some of you listen to and participate in, you know, it's always good to get their input and ide- ideology. But I think a lot of people are different. And the one thing I want to say is I think I'm different out of necessity. And it doesn't make me special, better than anybody. I, I've had to do a lot more with with less, and that makes uh, and you know ma- makes me think a little bit deeper about my decision making process. Also, I have a lot of experience in doing, you know, forest management, soil management, field management, the whole nine. And and so you got to have that perspective. And hunting hard to hunt areas uh, also teaches you to be very specific with things. And I, I I'm only explaining that with. The fact that it's important to hire the right consultant to approach your job that really has that specificity you need and isn't just giving you a map and saying roll. So uh, I only say that because it's a topic that came up the past couple of days with uh, clients for next year. All right. So anyhow, uh, enough of my rambling. I got my buddy back, Kenny Kane. Uh, Kenny, are you on the line? I'm here, John. How you doing, man? Good. It's good to talk. It's been a bit. Now, this podcast is going to come after the podcast I just did with Tim Russells, and he's a forester. Josh and I basically refer to him, well, I refer to him as the professor. He's so darn intelligent, and he just has so much depth to him. I, I He did a great job toning it down and not being too scientific about things. But I, 
I know you can be the same way, but I just love talking to you because you're pretty raw and uh, real. And it's that, that's the way I roll, man. I, <laughs> I just like to throw it out there, be blunt, be raw about it, and shoot it straight. Yep. So that's good. And the important topic today, and we, we kind of shot the shit a little bit over the phone. You know, we wanted to get into should I sell my timber? And the reason I bring it up now is a lot of people are planning for this winter or next spring, you know, what they're going to do with their timber. And this is one of the best times to start planning ahead. Um, my clients have had me out for consulting visits. We're already planning our cuts. We got, I've got turnkey properties, yada, yada, yada. And I'm trying to get people in there to cut some of the timber. If I can't do it, I'm going to have somebody else go in. And we're going to manage through the process. But the question still lies, should I cut my timber? And I kind of want to talk about markets. You know, what's my timber worth right now? What's, go, what's going on? Educate me. Man, and that's it's a tough thing, you know, because like you drove a point of like in, in your intro of hiring the right person, you know, because when you go in and I had this conversation today is it's the week of uh, Penn State Ag Progress Day. So I was down there working a booth talking forestry with folks. And, you know, when you cut a tree, we can't stand it right back up. You know, so, you, so you're cutting that tree with a purpose, whether, you know, creating habitat, uh, releasing regeneration to create a forest product, you know, so, so every tree that's cut has a reason behind it. So, you know, the timing of it is so crucial. And right now, man, may, I, I'll say that's the reason we haven't been in touch. I've just been burying my head in the sand because markets and has stunk the last uh you know, six months, truly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been a, it's just been a steady decline. Um, things have slowed down a little bit. I think we can all look, uh, you know, look at our personal finances. Hey man, like this inflation has really hit everyone hard, whether it's going to the grocery store, the gas station, um, to a home improvement project. And that, uh, that that's a driver, you know, we've watched interest rates increase, you know, quarterly, monthly, however the, you know, the fed has done it. And that is a, that is a driver on the downturn of the, the market, which is pretty crazy. And I can say, you know, growing up in, you know, in a forester's household, you know, it was, things were different. Black cherry is in one of my college professors uh, term cherry was King. It was easy to be a forester. Um, you know, cherry was easy to regenerate. Uh, markets were hot. You could sell logs all over the world for good money. And then my, uh, I'll say my first day in forestry school at Penn College in Williamsport had a, my one instructor said, you know, said to us, said, boys, who, who drives, what, who and what drives the timber market? And all of us growing up in Western PA, we thought we knew everything. And went on rants uh, it's you know black cherry it's red oak it's uh you know europe china whatever we had you know in our uh brains and he goes you're all wrong it's everyone's wife that's what drives the timber market <laughs> and i'm like i'm like what what are you talking about so you know let's kind of historically like let's look at it 10 you know 10 20 30 years ago Cherry and red oak. That's you went into a newly built home. They had an oak kitchen, a cherry kitchen, a darker wood. That was the trend, right? 
where now go into a newly remodeled home or a newly built home, what do you see? Mm. White painted cabinets. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So that caused that shift in, uh, in, in the timber market. We, you know, after the recession, 2008, 2009, we watched cherry prices drop, uh, and they have not recovered back to where they once were. And we watched where, you know, the, I'll say a year and a half ago, we sold a timber sale where soft maple doubled the value of the black cherry. Never, ever in a million years would anyone, you know, up on the Allegheny Plateau ever think that would be the case. And now, now we've seen it where markets as a whole have, uh, have really slowed down. Now, do you look at trends and, and Josh and I, you know, I'm fortunate in the fact that I know values because of, you know, what Josh and my business has become and the, the local market. So, you know, I can tell roughly tree value and I can, I can consult mm-hmm. with the client and we've watched these trends where we were up, you know, COVID time period, you know, we had oh. a record high and then obviously now we're in like record low, <laughs> Record you know, low. the prices are like the same <laughs> that they were being, that they were being 20 years ago. Right. So it's like, oh, it's a tough market dude, to be in. It would probably be 40 years ago. 40. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, a log buyer, I sell a, you know, he's a procurement buyer for a local mill, older gentleman, 70, two 73 years old and i just said to him i said dick when are you gonna retire and he goes ah oh, kenny this industry amuses me too much to quit <laughs> and i said i hope i have that mindset when i'm your age because we have fun at work uh and he goes you know when i hitchhiked here from michigan and i don't hold it against him he's a you know university of michigan graduate that uh you know he goes when i hitchhiked here this is what the timber prices were in 1974 or, and I could be off a little bit. Sure. You know, this is what timber prices were when I hitchhiked here. And I'm like, well, at least I think we're at rock bottom. (laughs) I hope we're at rock bottom. (sighs) Yeah. So, you know, this is tough for a lot of people because, so I'll have a variation of client, right? I'll have client, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the client that I was just on this week, uh, we went through the process of deciding, you know, we, we do a live and die scenario of what trees live and die. And he goes through the process of, you know, plain forester, you know, essentially plain, you know, the, the forest land manager that he needs to be to help decipher what trees he wants to keep. And we kind of go through mm-hmm. a whole process of learning in that. And part of it is thinking about the market. Now, some clients aren't so worried about the money side of things. They want to build yes. wildlife habitat and, you know, they're still moving forward and, and the minimum value that they potentially would get uh, is diminished by the fact of the return they're going to get, the priceless return, I'll say, on the wildlife mm-hmm. potential. And it allows us to kind of kind of freestyle in the woodlot a little bit more, create a little more structure, a little more diversity. It gets gives me a chance to be a little more selective. And um, anyhow, so long story short, we give give the client a chance to make those decisions. But now where a client's trying to balance that. Or he's using that as a, a, a major resource. You know, the sale of that timber is going to allow him to buy that tractor, 
um, assuming you're putting 75 hours a year on, if you remember my other podcast, um, or, or, uh, <laughs> For sure. I've done a, an ROI on tractor purchases and, uh, or, or buy that box blind or, or, you know, put in that food plot or, you know, pay for some yep. improvements, you know, that, that yep. there's a breaking point now with people. And so it makes these decisions somewhat, you know, more difficult. So, you know, how do you, how are you kind of approaching that? And, you know, what are your, what are your hopeful, optimistic thoughts about the market today? And, and what are you thinking about going forward? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, like start, starting with that is one of the ways that I, you know, when I, when I approach a client is, uh, and, and you probably do the same thing is, you know, when you go, you go in, you do a timber harvest, you and I are doing it every day. This is what we do every day all across the landscape, right? Yep. Where with the landowner, they may have one or two timber harvests in their life. And you have to, you know, so it is, it is the world to them, truly. You know, that, that timber harvest is the world to them. I mean, where yeah, I don't, this is the term my dad has always used where I don't have children, so I can't relate to it yet. Is uh, he goes, it's kind of like, you know, you go in and, uh, you know, your wife's going to have a baby and, you know, that doctor, he may be pumping out two, three, four, five, a dozen, you know, babies a day. So for him, it's just one, but you know, for you, that child, that, that is your life now, you know, that's the most important thing in the world. So you got to look at every, you know, timber harvest is, is that is your one, even though you're doing, you know, one a day, you have to treat it as that is your one because it's, it's that landowner's one that they, you know, may only have in their lifetime. So if, you know, if the markets aren't right for it, you can't, uh, you know, a, a big proponent of what, the way we look at things is you can't let the market drive your silviculture and drive your management because there's some stands that just, you know, silviculturally for, you know, proper forest management need to have a harvest done in it at that time because you could, you know, delay uh, overstory removal where you have, oak and maple and cherry regeneration fighting with birch. And if you delay it for too long, that black birch will overtop the, you know, the oak and cherry regen and, and you lost just because you were holding out for a, you know, a higher economic return. Uh, you know, so that's, that's something you really have to look at is not fully letting the market drive your management, but let's be honest. It's a huge factor. It's a huge factor. It is. It is. So, you know, a couple of years ago when we were 40% <clears throat> roughly higher than we are today in some, you know, some variation of species mm -hmm. uh, without getting into specifics. And I would test everyone to contact your local forester, people that do this professionally to kind of get a, get an idea what the market's at. You can look at your local resources, state resources, et cetera. But a lot of my clients are in that 55, 65, they're kind of, they're near retirement or they're, you know, they, they may have already retired. Um, sometimes money is more important than, than other instances. And we talked through that and we actually kind of scale it. So, you know, if it's a one-time harvest and it's a smart harvest, because again, we take out the bad, we keep the good, we take the good that needs to be harvested. So that's kind of the basic philosophy. Mm -hmm. But in that, you know, they're sitting there trying to contemplate, you know, this economic return that they're going to potentially miss out on. And if we can qualify it with an amount and we'll just use rough numbers, say instead mm -hmm. of getting, you know, 15,000, you're now going to get $8,000, right? Uh, approximately. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Is that enough money that's going to bake 
you know, break the bank in your lifestyle, is that seven grand, six grand, whatever the number is, is it enough where it's going to change things for you significant enough for you not to move forward? And if it's a small number like that, which I think that's relatively small. Now, when we're mm-hmm. talking 30, 40, $50,000, depending on the size of property, and everything, that starts to get more serious because that's yes. meaningful dollars. So there is a trigger point on scale that I think starts to, you know, rev up the RPMs for somebody saying, whoa, 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 I got to wait. Or they do it yep. in small increments and it's an incremental staged harvest where, yes, you're getting your benefit. You're prepping yourself for the next generation of trees. A lot of these properties I'm working on are legacy proper, properties with these clients. Yep. And, and they're doing it in increment and phases, which in this case, I would recommend that to somebody who's got a larger property and it's more scalable. I don't know if you agree with anything I just said. No, I, hey man, I, I, I am right there with you. Like okay. now is that time of saying like, okay, hey, I'm going to take a 40% hit. What can I invest? Whether it's dollars into my property or my own sweat equity into my property of like, hey, I really want to do you know, the shelter wood harvest or this overstory removal. So I can, you know, because I know my habitat's out of whack, you know, of focusing on, you know, on deer habitat is, Hey, my habitat's out of whack. I really need to get this harvest done. Well, all right. Well, Hey, I'm going to have a, you know, a 10 to 20 acre overstory removal clear cut to be done. And it's going to generate $20,000. You know, I'm, I was kind of honing in on that $20,000 mark where now it's going to be 10 to 12. Well, Hey, if we can delay it, uh, you know, six months, 12 months, 24 months, and, you know, invest some sweat equity into another corner of your property. Maybe you have a, you know, a timber stand improvement area that you want to do of, you know, removing invasives or taking out some black birch, striped maple, some beach, and, you know, creating a new pocket of habitat. Um, You know, in my eyes, that's the time to make that investment. Like, okay, if I invest a few thousand dollars, I will get a return on that if I can delay you know, my harvest on, you know, six months to 24 months or whatever it may be um, in, in prepare for it. Yeah. So I want to give somebody a recommendation, Kenny, and this is, this is just my take on mm-hmm. things. This is what I, and I'm with you hundred percent. What you just said, I agree with a thousand percent focusing now. And, and I mean like today and yep. to, today going out in your property and starting to learn your timber, learning the economic value of things, starting to assess board footage by tree species. Mm-hmm. People have heard me talk on this podcast about how I used to do it and, and then make some decisions. And those decisions are go take a chainsaw class and learn how to cut timber because the price, mm-hmm. the price that you're going to pay to have somebody come in to do a TSI project is in my opinion, not worth it. And it might yeah. be depending, but what they're spending, you know, four or five, $600 an acre. I've seen some high prices to do a TSI project when you know, yeah, they may or may not pay Kenny Kane to come out, pay John Teeter to mm-hmm. come out, pay somebody, you know, Tim Russell, the guys that you know, or people that are in the industry, have them come out and consult and provide recommendations on a specific area and then copy and paste, copy and paste and go in and do that timber stand improvement, invest in equipment, take some training and then do it yourself. And I, I stress yes. that people can do this. That if you're not dealing with big timber, it's so doable. Um, for a lot of people, this just seems like that's a solid recommendation. Oh. If you're prepping for, again, the economic upturn, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, Hey, I'm, I am right. I'm right there with you. I mean, 
you know, I'll say through this slow time, we've had a lot of our, you know, our foresters are out doing, uh, you know, hack and squirt and uh, basil, basil bark treat, you know, herbicide treatments. I'm out there myself with a chainsaw doing habitat improvement projects to, you know, fight through this hard time. But it's like, dang, I sent someone the bill for it and be like, well, you know, you could have, you could have, you know, sure. I got it done in two days, but you could have got it done yourself. And, you know, maybe, four or five or just, let's just say, yeah. uh, you know, you get, you get your hunting crew together for the weekend and, and you do two weekend work bees and do so. And, uh, you know, I, I think get it, it done that way. Well, I think it's all what your time is worth. Right. You know, I, I always have, yep. a, I have 100%. A, I always, I have a certain number in my head when I do, when I do my consulting work and if it doesn't make sense dollars and sense wise, I won't do it. And Josh is in the same boat. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, we will not take certain jobs as a result of the time money effort. And, you know, yep. we, we live in a gritty grinder state where, you know, people are very frugal about things and oh. you have to speak mm-hmm. the language. And, you know, here's what I'll say for anybody that I've consulted with and worked and, and uh, I'll just take my last two, three, four clients that I've worked on. All their properties have been improved the minute I stepped on that property for their ultimate goal. And we're defining their goals for the process. And the realistic piece of it is a mindset shift. And the ideology we're talking about today is do something different. And maybe there's a, a, a price break point with, you know, if, if you're willing to pay somebody a hundred bucks an hour, 200 bucks an hour, maybe it's 50 bucks an mm-hmm. hour, whatever your threshold of pain is. And yep. that becomes reasonable. And the value you're getting is so great. You know, I, I laugh at these people paying ten thousand dollars for a consultant to come out and give them a map. That is absolutely oh, ridiculous. You're paying for man. celebrity status. I can't even. I can't get over that. That baffles me. And, I mean, I think I think we're we're pretty cool dudes, John. Like, I will come do it for someone for half of that. Yeah, I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> well, I, I only bring that up because somebody mentioned the other day about having this big consultant coming out, and he's you know significantly. Anyhow, long story short, you know, that same guy, all he talked about was food plots. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I, if, if a guy is focused on, and this mm-hmm. is just me just shooting today, if a guy is focused yep. on food plots, and that's one to two to 5% of the property, and that's his knowledge of expertise, and they're saying, well, regen ag is going to change your world. Folks, if you want to listen to regen ag, and that's what you're focusing, I will tell you how to 10 times over anything you've learned on YouTube in, in a short order within a, a, a year or two. That would, and I don't even have a no-till drill. So I'll save you expense, I'll save you time, and, and here's the goal. Take that $10,000 invested in equipment, good consulting, and uh, you know people that have real knowledge to make changes at the foot-by-foot level. And that's really, that, yes. that fires me up because I want people getting out there and doing this. You don't need to hire me. You don't need to hire Kenny. You just, you need to make some decisions and move. And when you hit a roadblock, yep. you got resources. And that's that you set yourself up with those resources and the lessons you learn from failing are going to be the lessons that set you up in life. That is how I've done my business. And that's why I'm successful at this point. Well, I try to be successful. Some days I'm not, but you, you, you can understand where I'm, I'm yeah, coming right from, there with you, man. You know, some days are great. Others it's like, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. I have those days all the time. Oh. So, yes. so yes. I want, I've got more questions for you and um, lay them on me, John. So let's, let's talk about making some decisions right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. How do you look at the market? So how do you pick the species that are of the most value? And then when you get in your woodlot, 
Now, I'm not saying, you know, start cutting bedding areas, but you're just looking plain tree species, you know, looking at your next generation. Let's get a, let's go through a basic checklist that somebody might want to do as they're saying, okay, I want to look at the economic piece of this. I'm going to put wildlife aside for a second. Yep. What, what decisions uh, do I need to make when I'm starting to do my checklist of tree selection and what trees to keep, what trees will go, et cetera? I mean, so really it, it, it starts with, you know, not to like circle back or beat on a dead horse is what each land, each landowner's goals and expectations of property vary landowner to landowner. Yeah. But of just looking at it as, you know, economics and truly like a, a, you know, a economic timber harvest of putting it out, whether it's putting it out for bid, sell, you know, selling it to a local sawmill is, you know, in my opinion, being a consulting forester is you gain the value of, of hiring a consulting forester that is, you know, hands-on in the market every day, you know, seeing what timber prices are going for, um, you know, of being the advocate for the landowner, because there's a lot of unscrupulous people out there and, you know, in the timber industry that will say, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll pay you top dollar for, what your timber's worth and, oh, and you, and you know, you aren't going to have to pay a fee to a consultant because we're going to pay you what it's worth. Well, it's only worth what, what they tell you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of, a lot of the unscrupulous people have disappeared out of the industry. Um, you know, being that the timber's not worth what it was 20 some, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So it's kind of thinned the herd out a little bit. But there, there's still a lot of that done um, where, where that consultant that knows the value of the timber knows the market and can really, you know, so what you pay, you know, a consultant to, sell, you know, help sell your timber, mark your timber, manage your timber, you're going to get that back by them selling it for you at the right time. And, and knowing, knowing the markets, like let's say you have a couple hundred acre property and, you know, you want to do a, you know, a timber harvest somewhere. And let's just say, you know, ash is a big thing that we're all, I think all the listeners will know about, you know, the emerald ash borer. We've talked about it before. I know your other uh, forester guests have talked about emerald ash borer. So, hey, if you have ash, everyone listening, if you have ash on your property, sell it ASAP because there's not much life left in it. You know, it's going to die soon. Um, But, you know, in other ways to look about it is look at those species that have traditionally been lower in value, you know, forever, whether it be doing a, and, you know, maybe you have a stand that you just want to cut some hemlock out of to promote hardwoods. Well, Hey, now's, now's the time to do it because you're going to get that habitat improvement. You're going to, you know, you're truly investing into growing hardwoods by removing, you know, getting rid of some of that hemlock and you aren't looking at an economic return just getting it out of there and for a break even or a, you know, a very low value, you're already money ahead. Um, you know, some other things that we've been doing is we're doing some uh, improvement part, you know, shelterwood harvest. We're targeting uh, a lot of black birch in oak stands, you know, setting up shelterwoods where, Hey, you know, if we marked the, you know, marking this shelterwood, they would have put no value on uh, the birch a couple of years back where now, Hey, if they put a hundred dollars, a thousand and you know, you're going to generate a few thousand dollars where you're expecting to get zero on it. And, you know, promoting that Oak that you want to grow for 
economic purposes, wildlife purposes, you know, have a good seed source, have a good food source. You know, so that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm looking at where, you know, in particular, I have a client up in New York state that beautiful property, I mean, parts of it are beautiful. I'll be honest. Some of it, when he bought it, it was hydrated very aggressively and we're doing a lot of uh, improvements on it and that we're salvaging the last of the ash and we're able to do a hundred acre shelter wood by chasing birch. That's all, that's awesome. all we're marking, that's you know, awesome. and he knows like, Hey, if I, if I get a couple thousand bucks, I'm increasing my, uh, you know, he, he's a hunter, but he's a, uh, you know, the opening weekend hunter, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he cares a lot about it. You know, older yeah. gentleman flirting with 80, just loves it. You know, his property is going to be held in this family forever. And that's all he cares about. It's like, well, geez, I, I was really expecting to invest several thousand dollars to fix this stand of doing hack and squirt and just paying, you know, a contractor to come in and dump all the birch out of it where it's like, Hey, these prices are, you know, for something that had a zero value. Now it has a small increase in value where you're money ahead. So with the black birch, you're taking mm-hmm. them out just as an example in those stands you know, what, what do you, what do you, are you taking a whole tree out? Are you leaving the tops? What, what are you doing? Just uh, so, the process? Yeah. So, so this stand in particular, we're, it's, it's going to be a, you know, the tops are going to stay. It's, it's your traditional um, timber harvest, yeah. you know, probably be harvested by a, you know, I'll say a man and a chainsaw and a cable skitter. Yep. You know, maybe, maybe a, I wouldn't mind seeing, I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, feller buncher in there because then, you know, all that, stuff's going to get cut yeah. and they'll utilize yeah. it, which is yeah. good. But no, we're going to have, you know, there's oak seedlings all across the forest floor. So I'd love to see those tops that are protecting uh, the oak regen from deer browse. And it's going to increase the habitat in the, you know, the quality of that stand as a whole. So like I'm, I am pumped for this, you know, of, is it a money maker for me? No, but it's the best thing to do for that stand. And it's something I can sell in these down markets. Yeah. And I think the other concept that you brought up earlier, the, uh, the, the hemlock situation, you know, hemlock mm-hmm. has really never been a high valued species, no. generally speaking. So taking out some of those trees specifically, and I just literally was talking about this yesterday with a, the client is we were mm-hmm. selecting individual hemlocks to be taken out and ones that would remain and, you know, yep. we had decision-making philosophies on each tree. And, you know, you could see the competing interest with the uh, the localized oaks. So it was hemlock stand mixed in with white and red oak. It was an interesting property. And, uh, you know, you yep. see some really unique things on the landscape. And it was just in some very odd, odd locations. Yeah. Kenny, the other thing. You, yeah, like when you said that you're painting a picture of the other end of this property. Uh, of this, he goes, Hey, I want to do something with the hemlock. And, you know, we've been talking about this for, you know, I've been working with him for four years now and I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Well then as him and I were coming out, as I was, you know, showing him the end product, we, you know, met the first day and myself and one of my foresters started marking and said, Hey, this is how it's going to be. He goes, Oh, this would be great. We finished it up two weeks ago we met last week, did a walkthrough with him. He goes, man, this is, this is phenomenal. This is exactly how I'd want it. And then on the way out, he goes, well, let's go look at this hemlock stand. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, what, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. But 
then I, I look into it more in depth and I'm like, man, if we just go do some true select harvesting of the hemlock, not totally removing the hemlock yep. composition from the stand. Yep. Well, it's like, well, geez, if I just take this one here, that one there, this one over here, and then it's like, whoa, there's a 16, 18 inch red oak and there's a 14 to 16 inch white oak. And yeah, I'm like, wow, we, we can turn this stand around because then you can go through it in 20 years, you know, 20 years ago, you can find the 20 inch red and white oak stumps that were gooner plucked out of it. Um, but it's like, Hey, we can turn this stand around by doing that. And you know, if markets were booming, you wouldn't be able to find a logging contractor willing to do so. Exactly. Yeah. Those soft, today you can find them. Yeah. You can find them. I've seen them. I've clients that are listening to this right now. They've gone through the exact same thing that we're trying to explain. You know, I'll just give really quick, you know, discriminators. So I just want to throw this out there. So I, I was cutting down my property and, mm-hmm. you know, I recently had to make some decisions that I get into this project and it turns into another project, you know, how that goes. And uh, yep. I'm starting to put in walls and structure and I'm just starting to build. I'm like, what am I doing? I just wanted to cut like five trees today. And uh, <laughs> so I'm getting over there and um, I don't have a lot of black birch on my property. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, you're a lucky man. John. I, I am a lucky man. However, however, in some properties where you have low, it's low quantity, like on my mm-hmm. property, low quantity, I actually will leave that particular tree for diversity in specific areas because of its cacken production. So, yes. so I'm just going to say this. It's like, we want to promote certain species and certain species we don't. And I, I'm not saying don't promote that species or what have you, but I'm like, I like that a little diversity in the landscape. But do, yes, but don't discount it. And, yes. and, you know, I should, I should correct myself when I say, you know, when I say this is biodiversity is key and we can look at back at the, you know, the forest health of it. Um, you know, the uh, Dutch elm disease, Dutch elm disease yes. comes through yep. hard to find an elm. Um, you know, the beach, beach scale nectar complex, hard to find a healthy beach. Um, now the beach leaf disease, it's going to be harder to find healthy beach. Emerald ash borer, you know, the, these species are disappearing off the landscape. Um, you know, and then we'll look back to, you know, to the chestnut. I mean, so having diversity within your forest is key. You know, yes, I would love if, you know, we go and do a shelter wood and it's, you know, in an oak stand and it comes back to nothing to but red and white oak. But I, I still want to have diversity. I want to have soft maple in it. I want to have some birch in it. Yeah. You, you know, you, and birch is such a prolific cedar. We could go through and hunt everyone down within a square mile of your property and we'll still be able to regenerate it. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, it's crazy because one of the things I noticed on the property I was just on was we went into a, a low line area, which traditionally you're going to get, you know, some yellow birch and mm-hmm. I'm looking around for yellow birch. And I don't see any, but I see seed source. Um, or I see, you know, little small seedlings on the ground with yellow birch. Yep. I'm like, where's the yellow birch? It's got to be somewhere. So they they really proliferate well. So you don't need a lot of yellow birch. In my area, yellow birch right. is all over the place. And so, like, yes. maybe, you know, your sweet birch is my yellow birch in this scenario yep. or your your black birch, sweet birch, whatever yep. you want to call yep. it, um, is, is my yellow birch in, in my particular area. So this is where you have a guy like Kenny Kane come in. For a day, you pay him whatever his daily rate is, and he just educates you. 
He gives you all the ins and outs of the tree species, what you want to do. So you go buy that chainsaw. And I know, Kenny, I know that you have clients that, that this is not your business in general. I know you yep. have long-term clients. But if you have somebody like that come out and consult with you a day and give you direction, sometimes it's all you need. And that 1000 1500 whatever the amount is, you know, whatever the amount is that they're, it will save you in time. And now you have oh. the rule book to start making changes on your property to say, I'm going to cut this tree, not this tree. You can start to figure out, you know, board footage. You know, I, I can yes. quickly look, tell the height of the tree. I can wrap my arms around it. I kind of know, okay, this is a 20 inch tree. I can get about two yep. 16 foot logs out of it. You know, it's about 200, 225 board foot. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I know that now looking at these tree species and saying, okay, this is how I can measure volume. And so you measure volume you know what tree species to cut. I mean, it just seems if you're going to invest $1,000 in your property and you pay $300,000 uh, to purchase that property, it seems like a no-brainer. That, that is a very good investment. <laughs> very good investment, yeah, for know? sure. For yeah. sure. So. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, just, it's just these things to me, I sit back and I, I, I've been listening to more podcasts lately and just trying to get see how people are talking about things. And I want to sound... I want to be real with everybody, and I know I kind of went on a rant earlier, but, I mean, the chances of us learning on this podcast without being real and being, you know, I, I don't know everything and you don't know everything, but the reality of it is is we can do things very, very simple, and it's so worth my time to have somebody like you uh, on mm-hmm. my team and be associated with a guy like you. And there's so much value well, in that relationship. Um, oh, like your I, example. I mean, for sure, or, man. Like, yeah. I, like I'll watch, you know, watching like your Instagram, like your reels or, you know, short clips or whatever, you know, whatever the heck they call those things. Uh, dude, I, like I love yours of watching them. You know, I'm watching what you're doing. I'm like, okay, yeah. but tie in where it's like, okay, throw off my forester hat, throw on my, you know, deer hunter hat, like, Oh, that, that makes a whole lot of sense where it's like, I'm, I'm learning from you of, you know, things that you're doing to, you know, tie the circle together. None of us know everything, yeah. but yeah. you know, it's, it's built, it's building that team to, uh, you know, make that property great. Yeah. yeah and, and most everyone's goal. And, and if you boil, you know, dollars to donuts, most people's goals, they want better hunting. And, and, and that, yes. that transcends in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of ways to break that down. You know, people are getting down mm-hmm. to the inch by inch level. They want this fungus in this area to produce this value, or they want this plant to grow at this increment in this area. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all good. It's hard to balance and compete and also produce those goals. But there is one goal that we most of us have in common. I want better hunting on my property. And the common yeah. approach to better hunting is not more deer. It is not more deer. And I'll also continue to say this. My deer on my property bed in closed canopy forests. It's mm-hmm. what I do around those closed canopy forests which shapes my deer and movement. It's exactly opposite of what you hear on all these other YouTube channels and podcasts. Because you go walk your woodlot and tell me where the deer bed. And then you build mm-hmm. structure around that good structure where you're managing the timber like kenny suggested and you will direct and shape movement and food and you will change your property for good and and really those are the 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 incremental things that i do and why are we focusing on one to two percent of our property i love food plots 
I think they're awesome, but it's one to two percent yep. of my property, you know, <laughs> and yep. I'm spending ninety yep. percent on one to two percent. Yep, That's, you know, I mean, yes, we're you know working with a client. Just honestly finished up the, uh, you know, I had one of our logging contractors because things are slow. I he's a high school friend of mine, uh, you know, working for us. I said, hey, I got this, you know, habitat improvement project, and went in, marked the, you know, marked the trees that we were harvesting, and uh, you know, he went in and did it, and meeting with the landowner he's so wound up about oh my food plots oh my food plots but i said hey where, where are your deer gonna live where are they you know where are they living at i can see the whole way across your property from field to field yeah yeah, yeah you know exactly. and and then i kind of explained to what we were going to do there's this patch of white pine region which i'm a white pine i love white pine me too man and, I love white know, pine. right right on yeah. oh, i love it right on this field edge there's a spot i maybe 10 feet square, 15 feet square. I said, Hey, we're going to open this up. Are there some white pine seedlings coming in? We're going to dump the sassafras out of this mid canopy, get some more sunlight on the ground. And this is going to be your bedding area. So we walked the project with them as I was showing our logger, how we were going to do it last week. Didn't we bump up a nice little 90 inch eight point out of oh, that yeah. white pine bedded down. And he goes, I see what you mean. <laughs> you know, cause it was, that was the one thick pocket of, you know, regen and bedding habitat where he's all wound up about his food plots, but we got to give the deer a place to live. <laughs> now, if, if the deer would eat that tree species, it would be, and, and they, they do from time to time, but if it would be a primary source of food, that would be my absolute number one tree choice, period. No question about it, especially in that 30 to 40, maybe even 45 to 50 age class, assuming it's mm-hmm. managed correctly and it's not in a closed canopy forest or you know, it's got mm-hmm. a lot of competing trees, conical shape, number one tree, number one bedding, no, number one tree that I would like to integrate into a bedding area, white pine, but it's got to be in the right location. You know, it's got to be uh, yes, right location. Yes. I mean, yeah, I have, I have horror stories of, you know, 14 years old hunting this one, one big Valley. And there was this one patch of probably an acre of white pine in that, uh, you know, four feet to 10 feet tall. You know, you couldn't see through it that was the spot where I saw the biggest buck of my life two days in a row, never could get a shot at it. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's something I honed in after, you know, being 13, 14 years old. I, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Kenny's, Kenny's uh, dogma is like, ah, uh, white pine. It's where I live. He seeks out every that's, white uh, pine patch that he can find in Pennsylvania. I do, man. I do. I find it and I get excited. And be like, all right, we got to grow this. <laughs> Oh, I, I love, I love that you, we are, we are cut from the same cloth, man. It's, it's, that's good to hear that. Yes. You know, I don't really have any, any more for you today. I'm I'm happy we kind of caught up. I think we, my, my my goal today was to motivate. I'm in a, I know it came off maybe negative in the beginning, but I'm, I'm, I feel motivated today to, to grind. I I feel like after you and I get off the phone, I get, (laughs) I, I get amped up. Like, like I, I am amped up and, you know, and like the one thing and like, let's, let's end it on a high note as I've been so negative about the markets yeah. is, you know, now, now is the time if you're a landowner of thinking of doing a timber harvest, it's the time to be prepared. It's the time to contact your forester. And if you don't have a forester, it's a good time to get a forester because we're, we're a little slow, you know, across the board. Yeah. Um, to, to get prepared because, and this is just my opinion and, you know, people can tell me I'm so full of shit or whatever, but this is just what I, I see is going to cause a turn in the market is let's look back to COVID, you know, is here, 
you know, three years ago is when that hit and the shutdowns, you know, lockdown started, no one knew what the hell was going to happen tomorrow, right? Everyone stopped spending money, you know? Uh, so let's look at that as people like, well, I, I'm not going to do this to my house. I'm not going to do this. You know, sawmills slowed down. We couldn't sell timber. We didn't know if we had a job. Thank God people were out of toilet paper and the paper business was booming. Uh, you know, kept us working. But it, so everyone just slowed down on buying timber. Well, these large sawmills need to run. They need to produce their product. And, you know, the world needs lumber. We're, you know, we're, we're the renewable resource. You know, yep. we're the renewable resource. So we need our product, you know, our, the products we produce are sequestering carbon and the big carbon, you know, everyone's so wound up about carbon. So it's, it's the time to get ready because we're going to see that shift because as the markets have slowed down over the last, you know, six to 12 months, there has not been a lot, there has not been a lot of timber on the market to buy for these, you know, these large sawmills. So there, you know, it's going to be supply and demand. The supply of timber on the market has diminished a lot, but they still have a demand. They can still sell lumber, but it's at these lower prices. So it's, it's, you know, there's a lack of supply. The demand's going to increase. And then we're going to see an uptick in timber prices. And I hope in six months you have me back on and I can say, ha ha, yes, see, I was right. Or I'm going to be, be sitting there eating crow and things still suck. Yeah, well, you know, you know but but you know, I I think I think we're going to be, you know, we're going to see that turn. We're going to see an increase and in timber prices are going to increase and it will be a good time to sell your timber. So, I appreciate this introspective discussion. I know that we were we were focused on trying to come up with a plan for people that are mm -hmm. in the process of selling their timber. And I think what we did is we gave you options. And the goal mm -hmm. of this conversation was to think through what those options are. And I think you're right on with your recommendation. I, I kind of want to end it there because I think people should seek out good consulting advice. And that's how I started this out. And that's how I want to end it. And um, yep. I appreciate you, bud. I wish I was going to see you in uh, September, but I'm not going to see I'm you. Not, I, I, know, I will be honest. I will be sitting there watching Penn State WVU having a <laughs> heck of a time at a tailgate. But good. I'll be thinking about you. Good, <laughs> good. And and uh, we will connect one of these days. And, yes, uh, we will. I, will. I will be down working in your area um, just after hunting season. So I will try to connect, connect with you. We'll get, we'll get together for sure. Okay, good. All right, uh, Kenny, thanks, man, for the time, and uh, we'll talk hey, again thank soon. thank you, John. Absolutely, buddy. Thank All right. you. All right, brother. See you, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.